This is Donna Jones, and you're listening to That's Just What I Needed. Hey, friend, if you've ever been in a conversation where you've walked away thinking, wow, that was just what I needed, you know how life-giving that can be. Well, that's what this podcast is all about. We're women who want to know, love, and follow God in our real lives, but sometimes wonder just how to do it. So each week, we'll talk about what following God looks like in the midst of daily demands and crazy cultural chaos, because this isn't just what we need. It's actually exactly what we need. Have you ever been in a situation where God brought someone into your life and you just knew you were supposed to say something about Christ, but for whatever reason, you didn't? And then you walked away thinking, oh, I totally blew it. I know I've been in those situations. I'm guessing you probably have at least a time or two as well. Well, today I'm going to be talking with my guest and friend, speaker and author, Rhonda Stopey. Rhonda is the author of six books. She's a pastor's wife, and she knows what it feels like to be in those situations. Rhonda wasn't always proficient in talking about God, but this has become a passion of her life. We're going to be talking about how to share Christ without regrets. And I think you and I are going to learn a thing or two as we discuss this topic with Rhonda. Now, if you're not familiar with my book, Seek, A Woman's Guide to Meeting God, I do want to let you know that this is the perfect resource for women who are seeking God for the first time, for those who are new believers, or for women who maybe even grew up in the church, but realize that somehow along the way, they miss some of the basics. So if you haven't grabbed your copy of Seek, A Woman's Guide to Meeting God by me, Donna Jones, you're going to want to make sure you hop on over to Amazon or my website, donnajones.org and order a copy today. It's a great resource to have on hand, to hand to a friend, to hand to a family member, or even a stranger as God gives you opportunities to talk about Christ. Well, without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend, Rhonda. Well, welcome, my friend, Rhonda Stoffy. Thank you. It's so good to be with you today. I know. I know. Well, Rhonda, one of the things I love to do uh, when I'm interviewing someone is to tell our listeners how we know each other. So do you remember how we met? I do. It was at a minister's wives retreat. Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. How could I forget? Yes. Yes. It was uh, at a Jeunesse Park up in Northern California and you were the speaker. Mm-hmm. One of the stories that I just so remember was the one of your kids being in the canoe and someone holding on and saying, don't let go if you fall out of the canoe and, and stay in the boat was your message of just, you know, trusting Jesus just to stay in the boat. And uh, I've used that story. I'm probably butchering it because you told it so well, but that was just from, I haven't told that story in forever. So I'm going to have to re I'm going to have to reuse that that in your new book. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. But it was so good. I am so excited about what we are going to be discussing today and tell us a little bit about your passion for this topic sharing Christ without regret and how you developed a passion because you didn't always feel like this was your sweet spot. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Sharing the gospel without regrets. My dad got saved when I was like four and our family changed drastically when my dad came to Christ. My parents were teenagers. I was their second child. And 
I took it for granted. Like I ended up in Christian schools and we were that church going family and never really even occurred to me what our life would have been like if my dad had not come to Christ. Uh, we never saw that side of the family, didn't know any of my cousins. My dad just kind of kept us sheltered from the life that he was even saved out of. And I just took it for granted and living my life. One day, uh, I have to kind of tell this story because this is what really woke me up. My daughter, Meredith, had something called epiglottitis. Her epiglottis valve closed. She couldn't breathe. She ended up in intensive care. She was in there for a number of days, almost died. Then she was fine. God just intervened, and it was an amazing story. Steve and I had the biggest peace when we were sitting in that intensive care. We had given Meredith to the Lord when she was born. We were trusting him that he was going to take care of her, whether he took her home or whether, you know, he healed her. We were just at peace. It was crazy. It was wonderful. And that peace that surpasses understanding. And then God healed her and off we went living our life. So one day I was at McDonald's and a woman came in and I was with my sister-in-law and our kids were all playing. And this woman came in and her kids joined in and we started talking and she said, I know you from somewhere. And I'm like, huh? So we're trying to figure it out. And finally she said, I said, well, where do you work? And she named the hospital. And I said, oh, I had my babies at that hospital. That must've been it. Were you a, a, a nurse? And, and she said, no, I actually was a nurse in intensive care. And I went, oh, I remember. And I told her about Meredith and she said, that's it. And I remember your laugh and I knew how you were going to laugh and I knew your smile. And now that you said that, I never could understand why you and your husband were laughing and joyful when your daughter was in intensive care and people were dying all around you. And I said, yeah, we prayed for her. And that's all I said. And then she left. But you know, the scripture that says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. And I had blown it and I knew it. I knew that God had caused our paths to cross so that I could share with this woman the hope of the gospel that I had. And I chickened out and I knew that I had blown it. So I asked the Lord, I said, I know that was wrong. I don't want to be afraid to share the gospel. I want to have opportunities and I want you to trust me with those opportunities, but I don't even know what to say. I'm going to need you to even give me the courage. And that was the beginning for me to realize how wrong I was to hold my faith so quietly for fear that I was going to be judged for being that weirdo that always preaches the gospel or talks about Jesus. And that was a, that was a turning point for me in my life. Gosh, you know, Rhonda, I think there's probably not anyone listening right now who cannot relate to that, where you've had an opportunity. I mean, it's like God just served it up to you on a platter to say something about him and we've chickened out. So it's a thing. It's a thing we all struggle with. So yeah. what was the process then? I mean, you, you asked God to help you. That was the first, the first step, but walk us through some of the other things that you did that, that we can do so that we don't chicken out every time God here's gives the, us an opportunity. Yeah. Here's the first thing. Know your story. Because in Revelation 12, 11, it says, and they've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. My story is what I can share with people. I know who I am without Christ. I know who I would be without Christ. I have a sister who just died of a drug overdose in July. I would be just like the women in my family. Everyone in my family is addicted to something. And for me to think I would not have made the same choices as the women in my family, 
because I'm just a good person is not true. So having to come to that realization on my own of who I would be without Christ, and then being able to share the story of what God did, even in rescuing me from my own sin, even revealing to me my need for a savior and being willing to share your story. I could not agree more. And I'm even thinking about the fact that your interaction with this woman at McDonald's, God was wanting to use your story, your story of your peace in the midst of Meredith being in ICU. And God's like that. God always uses something about our story to generate a conversation about Christ. That's just the way it works. And if we pay attention, that's part of the goal is we have to remember that we are ambassadors for Christ, that we are being called. Okay, where is it? I love this. The apostle Peter. Now we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. That's first Peter 4.11 is where he says, if anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. And then it was second Corinthians 5.20. We implore you. Here's Peter, who was a big fat chicken who denied Christ because he was afraid he was going to go, you know, be arrested and suffer the consequences. But when he got filled with the spirit of the most high God, there was no stopping him. And there's a story in my book, um, The Marriage Mentor, Becoming the Couple You Long to Be. And it talks about one of the marriage couples is Peter and his wife. And it's recorded in history that when Peter and his wife had been arrested, the um, Eusebius is one of the uh, historians that records the story. It's not in the Bible. They're arrested and they're going to be put to death for their faith. All Peter has to do is say, I lied. I recant. It's not true. Jesus didn't die. He didn't resurrect and he didn't recant. What value that added to his testimony. But here's the thing. His wife was marched right past him to her crucifixion before Peter died. If he was trying to lie, if the disciples were trying to make up a new religion and say Jesus was resurrected and he wasn't, that man would not have let his wife die for his lie. It validated his testimony even more. And Eusebius says, as she walked by, that he cried out to her in a consolatory voice and said, oh, thou, remember the Lord, reminding her in just a few minutes, we're going to be with Jesus. And she was marched to her death. The depth of love that this couple had for Christ and for each other, that they would die, the courage that God gave them to share their faith with a watching world that we even now know. And he is saying, you're an ambassador for Christ. We have to realize this calling that God has on our life and speak as it were the very oracles of God and cry out to a generation that is desperate. We can jump on social media, jump on a soapbox. We can scream and yell politics. We can talk about the injustices and all of the things that are wrong in this world. And there are things wrong in this world, but the only hope is the gospel. And if we miss the opportunity to hold out that hope, because we're so focused on trying to fix the wrongs through our uh, arguments or through our anger or our resentment or, you know, We have to be careful as believers because we can really harm our testimony and our love for others by what we post on social media. Are you willing to say, Lord, I want to be an ambassador for Christ? And I don't care what that looks like. 
I want you to use my story and I want you to make me ready to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within me. Mm, That's so good. That is so good. So if someone's listening right now and they're, they're resonating with this, but they're thinking to themselves, okay, I want to be able to do that. I know I should do that, but how do I overcome my fear and how do I really get a heart that moves from just I should to, to I want to, and then even, even further to, and I will. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that's all very good questions. And I, that's a crisis of belief, right? That's where the Lord shows us what he wants to do in and through our lives. Mm-hmm. And then we come to a crisis of belief. Are we going to do it? Are we going to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? Are we going to let go of our pride because God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I mean, why don't I want to share my faith because of fear, because I'm proud and I don't want to look like that weirdo. Or is it because if I start, someone's going to ask me questions and I'm not going to know the answers and I'm going to feel like I've done more harm than good. I mean, I think it was Oprah after all the years that she had done interviews. She said, one of the things that I have learned about people in all these years is people want to be known. They want to be seen. We ache to be known for who we really are and loved for who we really are. We're afraid of it. We put out our best smiles on social media. So everybody will see my happy life because we don't want to be judged or not loved because we don't measure up. So you don't have to have the theology necessarily, but I will say this, if you've been saved for a long time, it's time to equip yourself to know how to tell someone to come to Jesus. And the reality is if you're just telling somebody, oh, believe on Jesus and he'll make your life better, you're not giving the right gospel. John 3.16 is the right gospel, but we have to break it down. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. The word believe, we have to break that word down. It is a one point in time action with a continued result. It is not a mental ascent that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for the sins of mankind. And now that I believe that too, I'm going to go to heaven when I die and I can go live my life. That's not genuine salvation. The Bible says the demons believe and tremble. So if we are just selling a easy believism to people, we're not giving them the gospel that Jesus said to the rich young ruler, leave everything and follow me. That's the true gospel. Whatever is that idol in my heart, which for the rich young ruler, it was his riches. And Jesus saw, you love that more than you love me. So you walk away from that and follow me. So there is a responsibility once we grow from, okay, here's my story. And even telling my own story, I didn't just believe in Jesus and go live my life. I turned from my sin. Am I still a sinner? Yes. Do I sin every day? Absolutely. Do I repent often? A hundred percent. But at one point in time, I gave my heart to Jesus. I made a commitment, a covenant with my God through the blood of Jesus who died for my sins. And now his spirit indwells me and gives me the courage to even stand here and tell you. When I was sitting on an airplane and I was trying to share the gospel and okay, I got to back up. My brother had come to visit, was not a believer. And I wanted so badly to talk to him about the gospel I had on so many other occasions. We were living in Texas and he stayed with us for a while. There was just no opportunity. He didn't want to hear it. And I really prayed, Lord, send a stranger to talk to my brother. And 
my sister-in-law who had just come to Christ called and said, you're not going to believe this. Somebody that my, and, and she and I had prayed, the Lord sent a stranger. Someone who my brother had worked with left a message on their house phone and said, Hey, we had lunch today. I just want to tell you getting saved, giving your heart to Christ is not a bright light experience. It's just surrendering and repenting of your sin and turning to Jesus as your Lord and savior. And uh, we were like, whoa. And my brother came to Christ two weeks later. You know, sometimes the stranger is who God needs because the people that have baggage, they don't want to hear it from them. Right. Yep. That's so right. I said, okay, Lord, I'll be that stranger, but I'm scared. So you show me how to be that stranger. So Steve and I were speaking at youth camps. We had moved back to California. We were traveling back to Texas or all the places that say all y'all we were there one flight. We were going to Florida and Steve at the last minute, wasn't going to fly with me. And I was on the plane alone. I was tired. And I had put like a little book of John, you know, the, the living water tract in my briefcase. I said, Lord, I'll give this to somebody if you want me to, but I really would love to sleep from Oakland to Florida, if that's at all possible. And I put my little pillow up next to the window and I was, they sat a pilot down next to me to catch a flight home. And I'm like, oh, he's going to sleep the whole flight. I'm going to be good. Right before takeoff, the pilot got up and they sat somebody else in the seat. A giant man in a red velour jersey uh, workout suit, track suit, sat next to me and I smiled. And then I just kind of leaned back against my, my, and I just was going to ignore him. And then he kept trying to talk to me. And he asked at some point, well, how old are you? And this was 22 years ago, I think 25 years ago. And I was like, oh, I'm 40. I'm 61 now. So I was probably in my forties. And he goes, oh, I don't believe you're that old. I go, no, I am. And he goes, you look really young. How can you look? Let me see. And so I showed him my license, which my husband's like, babe, don't show a strange person your license. Your address is on there. I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> so I'm like, see, this is how old I am really. So he asked me a question. He said, what do you attribute your youthfulness to? Now I could have said, oh, oil of Olay, or I could have said, oh, I thank you and been very flattered. But as he's talking and we're having this conversation, you're asking the Lord, Lord, is this, of, is this of you? Is there something you want me to share with this man? So I said, I don't have any stress in my life. And he goes, oh, everybody has stress. What do you mean you don't have any stress? I said, well, I have a relationship with my savior and I trust him. And I just began unfolding my relationship with Christ and the peace that comes from knowing God and surrendering to him and all those things. And we talked for quite a while. And then I said, it just gives my life purpose and peace. And he said, I've been trying to figure out what my life's purpose is. Ding, 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 ding. So you see, you start talking and you're listening. And then that's the, the end. The Holy Spirit gives you discernment. And he said, I am a professional basketball player, NBA, and I blew out my knee and I can't play anymore. And I'm trying to figure out what life's about. And I said, oh, I'm going to say his name's John. Oh, John. Let me tell you something. My, I asked the Lord if there was someone that he wanted me to talk to and hear this little tract. It's for you. If you read this, it'll tell you how to know Jesus. It's the book of John and it tells you how to have a relationship with him. And I gave it to him. I said, just know that there are people praying for you to know this. And he said this, my daughter's a believer. No, my daughter's a Christian. And she gave me a Bible and she tells me this stuff all the time. And I said, oh, John, let me tell you about my brother. And I said, told Rick's story. And I said, I told God I'd be that stranger. I guarantee you, your daughter's praying for God to send a stranger to talk to you. And that's me. So I shared with them. And here's the thing. You don't have to seal the deal. You don't have to get them to bow their head and pray a prayer. In fact, you don't want them to necessarily repeat after you, because if the spirit hasn't done the work to bring them to genuine repentance, 
you don't want to give them a false faith because they prayed some prayers, some sinner's prayer with, not that there's anything wrong with the sinner's prayer, but ask for wisdom to know, is it right for me to say this prayer with them? Or do I send them with this resource, which it had in the back of that paper, you know, that uh, tract, how to have a relationship with Christ and how to pray to receive Christ as your savior. Anyway, at the end of the flight, we get up to get off the plane and a woman taps me on the shoulder from behind. And she said, excuse me, I want you to know, I heard everything you were saying to that man. And I am really going to take that to heart. My husband just gave me AIDS from a prostitute and I'm trying to figure out what my life's about. And I said, oh, wow. And then I said, was I talking that loud? And two businessmen, two rows up on the other side of the aisle, turned around and said, yes, ma'am, you were. (laughs) But then they said, then they said this, and we were praying. I'm going to cry. And we were praying. They were believers and they were listening and God had planted them there Mm. to intercede while I was sharing my hope that lies within me. And I gave it to that man. I've never seen that man again. And I've never talked to that woman again, but God takes that seed and he plants it and he takes it where he will. Uh, I want to live the rest of my life like that. And is it scary? Yeah. But you're living on the edge because you're in partnership. You are an ambassador for Christ. And when he can entrust you with people that he's wooing to Christ, Mm -hmm. he will open up those opportunities for you. You don't walk up to every single person and say, hey, let me talk to you today. You discern who's God been keeping up at night, whose marriage is falling apart, whose kid is wayward, and they're trying to figure out hope. Lord, I want to be your voice, but you have to show me who they are. I'm willing, but I'll miss it every time. Hit me over the head, open the door, and give me the courage to speak the hope that lies within me. Oh, that is so good, Rhonda. You know, it's funny. My husband, he shares his faith all the time, and I've asked him, why do you get so many opportunities to share Christ? And it really surprised me what he said. He said, Donna, I don't think that I actually have any more opportunities than anybody else. He said, I think it's just that I keep my eyes open for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I thought, now that's the truth. Because there are opportunities all around us with people because people are hurting, people are broken, people are looking for purpose and meaning. And it's just keeping our eyes open yeah. is really one of the very first steps. And, <laughs> and then having compassion for that person. Yes. And knowing I am an ambassador for Christ. When I teach this message, mm-hmm. I will have the people in the audience say with me over and over again, I am an ambassador for Christ. I want to see myself under this calling. I am an ambassador for Christ. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. I am an ambassador for Christ. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to say that right now. I am an ambassador for Christ. And what I want our listeners to do is I want you to pause and I want you to say it out loud that you are an ambassador for Christ because Rhonda, you're so right. Seeing ourselves that way is really the perspective shift that we need in order to move us from, okay, this is something Christians should do to something that it's like, no, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. God calls us to be joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah 8.10. When we're not walking in joy, that is Satan stealing it from us. So it steals our witness. It steals our testimony. When we're walking in the joy of the Lord, in spite of the high gas prices, in spite of the whatever, however you feel about what's going on in politics, 
however you feel about anything that's going on in the world today, the pandemic, the, you know, all those things, if we're not walking in joy, then we're just like everybody else. If we're miserable, if our marriage is not what we had hoped it would be. And so I resent my husband or my, you know, fill in the blank. I'm mad. That's not going to draw our children or our neighbors to Christ. But when we're walking in joy, no matter what life circumstances are, and in fact, I'll say this, the darker the circumstances, the harder it is, the more that joy shines brightly, right? Yes. Kind of like your ICU story. Right. And that joy is what God will use to have someone go, wait a minute, that's different. Right. Exactly. So I, I just love your heart. I love this whole topic, Rhonda, because this is why we're here. We're here to know God and to make him known. And one of the things I I like to tell people when they're kind of struggling with, okay, but how do I do it? I try to nutshell it just in three easy steps. Just ask them their story, tell them your story, and then tell them Jesus's story. So it's their story, my story, his story. There you go. I just find that, you know, when you ask somebody about their story, like you were relaying, asking questions, getting to know the person, what's happening in their life, what's their spiritual background, it attunes you to where the Holy Spirit is directing you. Mm-hmm. And then you just share your story. And the thing about sharing your story is it's your story. So yeah. you know your story <laughs> because mm-hmm. you lived your story. So you don't have right. to memorize anything. You don't have to make it all fancy. You just tell your story. So, Amen. And they've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Yeah. So any last thoughts that you would want someone to know as we're wrapping up this topic, sharing Christ without regret? Yeah, I think if we would just say, Lord, I don't know how you can use me to be an ambassador for Christ, but I'm willing. I'm willing. Today is the day. I don't know. I don't have to make it happen. That's what I love. It's like he causes us to want to, and then he gives us the opportunities And if we are just willing to let him entrust us with those opportunities, asking him to give us the courage, know our story, know the hope that is in our story. And you know what? Sharing it with our children. Here's a a kind of just came to my mind. When my sister died in last July, it's almost been a year. My granddaughter, I have a granddaughter who's just turned 12 and I have a whole bunch of grandkids, but that that one's old enough to understand what happened because my sister overdosed and she started asking questions and I was able to say, Karis, that could have been me. There's nothing in Nana that shouldn't be just like that because that could have been me. I'm not a good person that would have made good choices if it wasn't for Jesus. And that is my hope for you is that your relationship with Christ will transform your life and cause you to walk in a way that your life is going to reflect Christ's love. I think sometimes our kids, when, when all they see is, you know, mom and dad are believers and they're saved and, but being able to say, I know who I would be without Christ. It's just living on, on mission every day. I am an ambassador for Christ. And in my own strength, I'll blow it every time, but it's God who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. And he is the one who can do exceedingly and abundantly through us above all we could ask or imagine if we would just say yes to him and walk in obedience. I love that. I love that. Okay. 
two things I just have to highlight because they're so good. I don't want anybody to miss them. Number one, you were just talking about sharing our story with our children, like making sure that our kids know our story. Years ago, there was a gal that was in my small group Bible study, and she had a 13-year-old. She had become a believer in her 30s, and so just a few few years prior, and her 13-year-old was kind of going through that stage where it was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to church anymore. I don't know if I believe this, and so she came to me, and she said, how should I handle this? And one of the things that I said, and when I said it, I knew that God had given me this. I said, does your son know your story? Mm. And she said, no, he doesn't. I said, if I were you, in just a conversational way, not preaching or anything, but just telling your kids, hey, this is my story. This is how I met Christ. This was what was going on in my life before. This is what I was thinking. This is who influenced me. This is what happened the day that I gave my life to Christ. You know, just making sure that our kids know our story. And then second, when you really highlighted being that stranger, because we can influence those closest to us, but sometimes we can only influence those closest to us to a certain degree, and it takes a stranger. Mm -hmm. So I love, Rhonda, the fact that you prayed for a stranger for your brother And then you were willing to be that stranger because I think that's a takeaway as well. Some of us need to be praying for a stranger to come into our prodigal child's life, our, our husband's life, our, you know, sister's life. And then we need to be willing to say, okay, if I'm praying for a stranger, then maybe I need to be the stranger somebody else is praying for. I just love these two things. And it's just the most fun way to live life. That's the thing. His providence, his sovereignty is all over that. Uh, I'm going to tell you, do I have time to tell another yeah. story? Yes. <laughs> okay. um, I'm just hanging out with you. It's super fun. Uh, <laughs> so in 2019, I shattered my wrist. Steve and I were on a quad and I had a huge like speaking schedule. And I was excited about so many opportunities that I had coming up. And, and I do remember this. I remember praying, Lord, this is this I want to do. And that's what I want to do. But if you, if this is too much and you need to stop me, then please stop me. And Came home from one speaking engagement and Steve's like, Hey, you want to go on a quad ride? I did not want to go on a quad ride. I had so much to do. And I was like, but I do have a book about marriage and it's like, go play with your husband when he asks you. I'm like, so I need to go play with my husband. That's the right thing to do. I need to take my own advice and I'm going to go play. So we get on a quad and we rolled it 45 minutes to town. And then another 40 minutes to the hospital. I mean, it was bad. After I was hurt, I was sad and discouraged. And I was sitting in my living room Um, My kids had bought us a bed. They bought us a sleep number bed, which is, we would never have splurged on that, but my husband had shattered his head in a dirt bike accident. You'd think we would learn, but no, we don't. (laughs) So they were like, dad needs this bed. So on the day after I had come home from the emergency room, waiting for surgery, super discouraged, Lord, are you even going to use me? You know, these two young men show up to put the bed together in our bedroom one of the young men comes out at some point and I'm like iced and elevated and so much pain. And he starts talking to me. His name's Brenton and Brenton starts telling me his story. And I'm like, Oh, Brenton, let me tell you about my relationship with Christ. And I start sharing with him the gospel and he says, yeah, 
my mom's a Christian. She's back in Texas. And she tells me that all the time. And I'm like, oh, and I'm here. I'm like this <laughs> with my arm in the air. I'm like, oh, Brenton, I'm that stranger your mom's praying for. And then he said, yeah, my girlfriend's dad is a pastor in San Francisco. And I moved here to move in with her. And he's upset that she's living with me. And he keeps inviting, he kept inviting us to church and we never went. And he just passed away from cancer. And I'm like, Brenton, I promise you that that pastor has prayed for you and for his daughter, that a stranger would tell you what I'm telling you now. And then I'm like, go in my living room. There's a basket of books. There's a book on the top called real life romance. But in that book is the gospel. And in the back of all of my books, I put how to have a relationship with Jesus in the appendix. Because it doesn't matter how good your marriage, if you can build all those things if you don't know Christ. So I told him, take that book and you and your girlfriend read that book together. Last time I ever saw Brenton. But here I am, shattered wrist, fragile, super discouraged that all the things I wanted to do were now off the table. And God was like, I see you. And in the middle of nowhere, USA, I'm going to send a young man named Brenton from Texas so that you can tell him about Jesus. Mm. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. I could have been like too sad, too hurt to even talk to the boy. I could have just been like, I am over it. I'm mad that my wrist got shattered and I'm in so much pain. And I got to tell you, I was in so much pain, but it's finding even in those times when our joy, we have to fight for that joy to say, God, is there an opportunity that you're wanting me to have How much more valid was my testimony to this young man in the middle of my pain that I took time to share with him, not when I'm on top of my game, but when my wrist is shattered and I'm in so much pain. It's just a fun way to live, but it takes daily remembering I am an ambassador for Christ. Use me, send me, bring to me those that you're already drawing to Christ and I will be your ambassador. Oh, Rhonda, so good. So, so good. So tell us where we can find you uh, online. My website is noregretswoman.com. And I'm the No Regrets Woman. That's my LLC, my trademark, because I help women break free from regrets that hold them back. And I help them build no regrets lives. So that you can go, Rhonda Stoppy is my name. That'll get you to my website too, but it's just way easier to do noregretswoman.com. And on my homepage, you will find, it might be on media. They may have moved it. Uh, but you'll find a video of me sharing the the message, sharing the gospel without regrets. I got to speak to Dr. James Dobson's uh, staff, and that's the message that I shared with them. And they recorded the video. So it's um, on my website. You can watch that for more information. And then you can follow me on Instagram uh, at Rhonda Stoppy. And I am shameless about how many pictures I post of my grandchildren. I am speaking at the grandparent grandparenting coalition summit in October in Jacksonville, Florida. So, uh, if you live in Jacksonville and you're a grandparent, come on out to that. That'll be super fun. Oh, that sounds great. Well, we'll put all this information in the show notes so people can find you easily get all your great resources. Uh, Rhonda's written six books, so they are all on her website, and we'll we'll list those in the show notes as well. So, Rhonda, thank you so much for being um, being with us today. Why don't you pray for our listeners as we just wrap up our time together? Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure, Father, that you would speak through us to those that you're calling to Christ, to those whose hearts you're already tendering to the gospel. 
We pray, Father, that you would open our eyes, that we would even see and give us courage, Lord, even if all we know is our story, like the Samaritan woman, that we would just proudly proclaim the hope of the gospel because of Messiah. Lord, I pray that through this conversation that you would equip us, ignite us, encourage us, send us, Father, here am I, send me. And I pray that all that are listening today would say those words, here am I, send me, and let us go and let us preach the gospel in season and out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, my friend. It was great. It was so fun. Uh, Loved having you. Loved having you. Well, wasn't that a great conversation? I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you feel empowered. I hope that you take a minute just to pray, God, let me have an opportunity to talk to someone about Christ, whether it's a stranger or it's someone I already know, and give me the boldness and the wisdom to do so. And if you haven't gotten your copy of Seek, A Woman's Guide to Meeting God, don't forget that's an invaluable resource for yourself and to give to a friend or a family member or even a stranger. And if you like this podcast, and I think you do because you're still here, take a minute to rate and review the podcast. And as always, I'd love to connect with you over on Instagram at Donna A. Jones or on Facebook at Donna Jones Speaker and Author. And I have tons of free resources on my website at DonnaJones.org. Well, friend, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I care about you. And I know that God has great purpose for your life, especially in this area of sharing Christ without regrets. I can't wait to see you next time, or that's just what I needed.